2: Heavy metal, the way it was meant to be.
3: Classic
2: 80's Underground. Live on blogtalkradio.com. The Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show! With your host, Mike the Big Cheese.
4: Back to Heavy Metal Mayhem. Man, we got a great show for you tonight. Started things off with Savage, and they are one of our guests. I got a chance to speak to Chris Bradley and Andy Dawson this week, and we're going to get an interview on in about 10 minutes or so. We had to use Skype like always when we make these overseas phone calls, and we had a little bit of trouble that day, but I managed to fix it up the best I could, and it didn't come out too bad. A great bunch of guys. Right there was Let It Loose. I don't usually play like the band's biggest songs or the most well-known songs because you, know, you can hear that anywhere. I like to play something different, but I was like, how can I not play Let It Loose tonight? You know, I have to get that on. And we did. And we'll get that interview going in a few minutes. And a little later on in the show, Michelle Iwe Langevin from Voivod we got a great show all night for everybody tonight, so don't forget to stick around for as long as you can. And our buddy Carl is back in the chat for a little bit tonight. He's down south with the parents. And uh, don't forget to check out Carl's website, CallsMetal.com. That's Carl with a K. All right, let me get on a few more tunes for you here. We'll wait for Big T to call in. And then we'll get that interview with uh, Savage going. So uh, how about some violent force with a little soul bursting? <laughs> with night of the wolves that comes off the long live metal record from 1985 and that was ralph Sheepus from primal fair's first band uh there was another record put out by those guys in 1990 uh, 19- I there were two uh, two records put out or three records with ralph on there i think it was eye to eye and watching you but then in 98 there was a reunion with no original members of the band uh i think the guitar player oliver sold the rights to uh, the name to somebody and they put out that album uh, i think it was take a seat in the high row or something but some good stuff over there. Speaking of Ralph Sheepers, his uh, fellow bandmate, Matt Sinner, who also has his other band, Sinner, which has been around since the 80s, will be one of our guests next month. We have a whole bunch of great guests coming up for September, man. I'll announce that next week we're celebrating five years on the air, and we lined up the deck with a lot of heavy hitters. So uh, keep your eye out on the Heavy on Mayhem page, and you'll find out who it is. But we've still got one week left of September, and we have tonight's show. we got an interview with Chris Bradley and Andy Dawson coming up in two seconds from Savage. We're going to follow it up with Michelle Away Langevin from Voivod. And our Frank Tossey from Metavox is going to call him live at the end of the show. But T, hey, what's going on, my friend? How are you? Hey, how you doing, Mikey? Hey, hanging over there. Pretty good, man. Pretty good. It was a nice week off this week. for so the few days in AC. Stayed at the beach yesterday and ready to get back to work tomorrow.
5: You really are? <laughs> eh, you
4: know, well, I'm ready to get back and make money again, I can tell you that. Oh, okay, <laughs> you know? There
5: you go.
4: Yeah, I started working some overtime this week to pay for that trip last week, but uh yeah, yeah work ain't that so I can't complain. At least have a job, right?
5: That's it. That's, that's Carnettis's
4: motto, you're lucky you have a job.
5: Yeah, that's what they say. <laughs> so Every day. There you
4: go. All right. Well, listen, we got to, we'll got we talk after this because we've got a whole bunch of guests on tonight. This interview, was, I recorded this during the week, and it's about a half hour long, so I have to get that on now, so we'll squeeze Mr. Ken Pearson in between that, and we have an interview with Michelle Away longovan from Voivod and, and Frank Tosley from Metadoc, so we're going to have to jump right into this interview right now, and you and I can talk when we're done with it.
3: All right.
4: All right, well, here you go. Like I said, I spoke with uh Chris and Andy the other day, well, actually a couple of days ago, and uh, here's what they had to say, so I'll sit back and... Uh, Tune in. Oh, Chris, this
0: is Mike from Heavy Metal Mayhem. How are you?
4: Hi, it's Andy. Uh,
6: Tipper to too. Hi, Mike.
0: Hi, right, Andy. How are you guys tonight?
6: Oh, really good time.
0: How are you? I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to talk to both of you tonight.
6: Yeah, you too. You too.
0: Uh, I know it's getting a little late over there, but you know, you guys are rock stars. You can handle the late hours.
6: Just to yeah. Oh, <laughs> yep.
0: <upstairs>. That's right. <laughs> Look, I, I've been a fan of you guys since the beginning of time. And I'm glad that you're still out there doing it, putting out music, playing live. I know you just came back from the Headbangers open air. How did everything go? Brilliant. Really, really good.
3: Really
6: good. We had a great time. Went I went down great, played, played a lot of old stuff, new stuff, really good.
0: Well, I heard you were going to do the whole, uh, the whole first record. Did you guys do that?
6: Did. Yes. We did it uh, in reverse order.
0: Oh, wow. We
6: <laughs> backwards
0: something. Cool. Do you realize like the, how, like, to the fans or the people in music how important that album really is looking like today is like considered a classic album and it was back then and not to take away from any other records you put out but that's sort of like a landmark art album for the band did you guys feel that or realize it yourself or have seen it over the years I think
6: we kind of realize now I don't think we always did realize but I think having played the whole album in Germany you kind of get that response and you kind of go wow you know people really do care about it so yeah it was
0: probably really. good. Yeah. But you could have felt that way when it came out because you guys were just doing what you were doing at the time and you didn't realize the impact yeah. that it would have uh, years later. But, you know, you go back to the early days. The band formed in the late 70s. You know, 83, the record comes out, your first album. You had singles out before then and, and some demo tapes, I believe. Yeah. And, you know, it's categorized today as a new wave of British heavy metal. But back then, it was just you guys playing music for a whole bunch of other people and, you know, like it really wasn't that name of the scene back then. Do you think naming that whole scene maybe hurt it more than it did good? Because a lot of bands never really made a past that first release back then.
6: Uh, yeah, I think uh, we feel quite ambivalent about the the you know that that fight for because we as you rightly said you know when we were you know writing the album we were you know, teenagers and we were listening to the kind of seventies stuff that was in UFO and. Purple and all that kind of stuff. So we we were just doing, you know, what our heroes did. And then there was this kind of scene that came, you know, with the um, Metal Mother's kind of compilation that I made and all those bands. But mostly we didn't really sound like any of those bands, to be right. honest. We didn't, we didn't sound like And to notice, Mike, we never actually felt part of that movement at yeah. all. So it's kind of become, it's, it's a weird thing, cause it's kind of what we get known for, what we get labelled with which is really good because it keeps you, know, keeps you uh, in context of where people remember. But in a way, we feel quite separate from it. We've we played we play a lot of those bands in recent years, and you, you don't kind of fit, really, with the kind of music they've they, So it feels like we're slightly... We've always felt slightly separate. Yeah, yeah. Still, we still feel different. I mean, we are saying that to Ed there, you know, we were sort of in the middle of the day um, and all the bands that came on before and all the bands that came after, it we just thought, well, we sound completely different. All these bands, we sound yeah. more like, you know, like Scorpions or
3: Hughes,
6: uh, mm-hmm. Priest, or Lizzie, or, you know, we don't sound like a new modern mm-hmm. band. So, uh, yeah.
0: That's true. And, you know, because, like, they give the Monica heavy metal, but, I mean, being that i followed music since the early 70s myself, and, that time wasn't even in existence back then. Nobody had heard of heavy metal. Nobody knew what that meant. Everybody was like a rock hey, band's band. to be honest,
6: it did come out about them, uh, but we always referred to ourselves as a heavy rock band. That's all anybody would say. You yeah. were band. That was it. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, we
6: know all the genres. You were heavy, well, were heavy rock band. Deep Purple were heavy rock band. Black Tannifer were heavy rock band. Everybody was heavy rock. Yeah. But you listened to. Uh, heavy metal was... A, a phrase that sort of became in late seventies, early eighties, uh, and bands started getting you know sort of. Uh,
0: well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's true. You know, like every band is influenced by the bands before them. Like you said, you mentioned all those great bands in the seventies. But yeah, you know, it's the bands that take what they are influenced by, and then add something new. With are the bands that have you know that that success. And you guys created a sound that really wasn't heard at the time at all. I mean, you had that little bit of blues in there, that hard rock. You created a sound that was completely different than anything else going around at the time, and I can hear it now looking back on it. But did you guys realize that you like playing around with stuff that really wasn't being done anywhere else?
6: Um, it word, no, <laughs> no. Yeah, we're too, I suppose, too young, and also we just focused on trying to do you know the best we could, and we weren't trying to be innovators. We were trying to be different. We just you know we loved some of those bands that we heard to, and we just want to make want to make music. That made us feel like that. Yeah. And, and also sort of, you know, now with many, many years later, when you have know, plans to sort of analyse these things, um, I mean, a lot of the new way of British Every metal bands are asked about the fact that they're following on from the punk team. Yeah, and they're all very, very adamant about distancing themselves from it completely. And to be honest, I think that was possibly part of where we came from, because it was just the sheer energy of punk World. Um, we weren't big football fans, but you know, what we'll do certain things about it we did like real secretly like so you know, so So perhaps we were and we're probably more honest to say that yeah we followed up a whole that's where the energy
3: came from.
0: Yeah. And I agree completely. Everybody grabs and, and bits and pieces from all over the place. But you had such a great run going on back then, at least we thought so. The and Weekly comes out, it was a couple of years later for Hyperactive. a lot went on in between that time. You guys want Ebony Records? Um I'm sorry, was it every records back then? Yeah,
3: right.
0: Was every records? And and I remember uh Dale Johnson was probably the second and hit with you guys because <laughs> it seemed like there's nothing of problem with him and that label.
3: Yeah, um
6: it was another uh spinal tap moment for us. <laughs> um but we we really I mean we, we yeah, we 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 knew what was going up around us, we knew there was a big buzz about the album, we knew we should have been capitalising on it. And, but Darrell wouldn't license the album into different territories. There were... any Man of the coming after it. He wanted to release it, release it in Scandinavia, all the way through Europe, America. All the territories wanted it. And Daryl wouldn't let it go. He wanted more money per um, unit, so he would always export it. The, the album was actually being done all... It was all mail order. Outside of the UK, it was basically a mail order album. Yeah. Um, and we got really disenchanted because she wouldn't do anything with it, that we secretly... Um, got ourselves a good lawyer and negotiated and got ourselves out of the contract because the contract wasn't the best paper he's on. But in a way, ironically, we, we made probably more money with with the contract that we had with Harold because he was as naive and as green as we were. And sadly for us, we got out of that contract and then you know, got another contract with a London-based company who, who probably weren't the best company for us to be with either. So we went kind of, from the frying pan into the fire but also to, to really you know throw uh, make it sound even worse than it was what Daryl wasn't telling us when we were trying to get out of the contract due to the fact of his inability to do anything in the album specifically was that RCA had come after us oh wow uh, and probably what is the history now is that um, he didn't tell them that we were going um, he never told us that they were after us so we left he signed the us deal with RCA, and RCA mostly came to open the records, expecting to get loose and lethal, and then so sort of could be a lethal.
0: Wow. So
6: we, missed, so we missed out on that. It was all going to up with lethal.
0: You know, it's, all, it's all hindsight these days when you look back on it and it's probably nothing you, yeah. you, know, you can't do about it. But it had to be, because I know you went, when hyperactive, you went to Zebra Records. Like you said, you probably thought you were going to, you know, things were going to work out better, and it's more of the same. And when did you guys realize, because when you're young, you start out, you know, you just want to write music, you want to play, you want to meet girls, get drunk, go up on stage. What did the business part of it hit and you say, you know what, this is, there's a lot more to this than, you know, just the music part. we really got to smarten up on the business end, too. I think it,
6: it's quite a while afterwards because we, you know, we, we were so green. You know, we had a manager who you know, was London-based and he just rang up out of the blue. It's a friend of hers just a multiple plates. And he just rang up to, oh, I'm, you know, I'm a manager, I'm based in London. And we just said, yeah, great. You know, we never kept him out. We hadn't even met him before. We just thought, yeah, London, you know, back to the city, based manager. So mm-hmm. we got a manager who was actually useful. So had a record company who really were a kind of alternative label that had just set up a rock label to try and make some money. So, you know, it was just green, green all the way. And it was it, a year later when you kind of realized, you know. Yeah if it had been properly managed, you know, it would have been very, very different. Yeah, I'm we can do about that
0: now. No, you can't. You know, like I said, Hyperactive comes out in 85. It was maybe a year or so later that the yeah. band packed it in and broke up. Was this all due to like these outside forces, you know, coming down on you from management to the big record labels or was it just um, the band uh, had enough of each other? With press.
6: Yeah, and um, what, one particular set of press, quite frankly, um, yeah. it was true. <laughs> Long one
4: magazine,
6: yeah we would get a lot of pressure from going from form to what they thought was, you know, the 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 right format, which was you, you have a front man, you know, separate front man, and you, you have to dress in a certain way. The, the UK press was only looking towards America when the whole kind of hair battle thing was taken off, and uh, it wasn't right for us. We, we, getting knocked around, trying to control, you know, thinking that uh, if we do this, if we, if we wear these clothes or we, we do certain things, and it, you know, it caused a lot of difficulties for the band. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of imparting, a lot of problems, and uh, just got unbearable, basically. Uh, but we, again, we didn't have anybody, you know, a manager or anybody who could sit down with and say, look, guys, you know, ignore that, do this, do what we do. You know, like, bands that we were... Well, my band like, you know, at like and or, or even Metallica, you know, they just they just took the guns, or motorheads, or anybody, they just carried on doing what they did. And somebody should have sat us down like, walk, walk around, say, and said, look, guys,
3: ignore
6: what Brian's are saying. Do your do stuff, you know. And we didn't have anybody. We had nobody in our time to try give us that advice. No, even our manager was telling us that we need to take those short cuts out.
0: So, you know,
6: we were the kids. Sure. We
0: kids. Yeah, it's it's definitely a hard thing. I mean, the band parted ways, kind of like at the height of of heavy metal of that era, the mid-'80s, and eight, nine years, maybe 10 years later, you guys come back, Holy Wars comes out, and you came back at a time when the metal was at its lowest point, (laughs) you know, in the mid-'90s, but you put out some great records. I mean, you know, Holy Uh, Wars, Babylon, they were completely, I mean, to me, they're savage. I mean, you had that little tinge of the old in there, but yet it was very new, very modern, you know, a little bit of what was going on at the time. And you yeah. were really active for uh, you know for about five or six years in the 90s because the beginning of 2000.
6: Yeah, yeah. Well, We, we, we did, like I say, I think two or three albums, a few kids. We played uh, back in festival. We played went like, to um, festival in South Jersey. And, uh, yeah, it was good. And we were kind of building things back up. Then after the Extreme T album, um, and it's got a bit difficult, you know, for everybody uh, on a personal level, not to do a band, but just, you know, life just got in
0: the way.
2: Yeah.
6: Marriages and divorces, basically. And the uh, the record label sold out to uh, Sanctuary, and uh, so we kind of lost the label. It kind of got sold sold away from us. And you know, as time went by, and you know, we had some, well, it wasn't like a conscious thing. I mean, you know, I asked my dad. 2001, it wasn't like I'm not going to make music, it was just, I don't know, it just didn't stop. And you know, we concentrate on other things, and it a long time again before we began to talk about doing it. So the band didn't split up, it just stopped, just kind of ran into, uh, into the ground, I suppose. But it took a long time to kind of think, it, you know, is it worth it doing it again? Is there a market? Is anybody interested in? You know, it shows that there is, but it's taken to a slot, you know, getting the band back together, new members in the band, you know, writing the album, recording it, getting it out, getting all the, the press. It's been a real, you know, it's, it's hard work, and it's beginning to feel, feels like it's beginning to play off again. Yeah. There's the a slight difference about this time, which is, uh, I mean, you mentioned um, Babylon and, and Extreme Machine albums, but they were albums of the time it um, was it was, to a certain extent it, it was ours, but also part of the scene as it existed then. Yeah. The records of grunge, elements and to New metal, that type of thing. We were certainly very obvious what was happening around us. But this time we sort of just went, let's do what we used to do when we first started. Um we went back into the bands before they wasn't the Purple, White Stage, all, all those old school bands, even the so, Um and even Van Aylen. Yeah, the other Van Aylen stuff. They, they were all bands that, 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 that sort of drove us in the early days, and that's why I think the beauty of the Central is it stands apart from what else is doing. Um, it's more back to where we first started, perhaps before Lucy and it certainly stands apart from what, what everybody else is doing these days. So it's still got like um, contemporary feel to it as well. Again, it's like like it's kind of mixing new and old, and you know it's just ultimately you've got to like, get excited yourself to make the music. You know the music that you want to listen to it and you want to play, and when you put it out there and hope people like it. And the reviews have been phenomenal.
0: Yeah, you really have. People really like this album and it does. It's a little bit of, it kind of sums up, you know, everything over the last thirty something years that you guys have been doing. It's got a real nice tinge of blues in to it, and your guitar playing. I mean, I just love the album. And now you have, you know, of course you have your son and Annie, your nephews playing in the band with you now. You got another young gun on the drums over there, so they must keep you guys active. <laughs> <laughs> uh Mark's
6: not that young, the drummer. <laughs> he looks young. He
3: looks
6: young. Well yeah. that well, yeah. They can't- you, you can't get away
3: from the fact that the second guitar
6: player is my and I'm his nephew, so yeah, yeah, he's you know, it's brought a real, um, new kind of dynamic to the band. It's his musical taste for a You know, he likes all the stuff that we like, but he likes a lot of new stuff, a well, newer stuff, like well, machine head supplier. Sure. So he's brought a, a, an edge to it, but it, it's great. He's it, a real solid, you know, guitar player, and it's part of the band, you know, he's not just a, not a gimmick or just nice to do, but he actually brings quite a lot to the band. And Mark. He's got good stage drinks as well. And all the photos that were bad, he just looks great, and we look really shit, so... <laughs> um, and then Mark was a drummer. Mark um, well, engineered the album, so part of the reason the album sounds so good the Mark, and he's by far the best drummer that we've ever ever had. Mark's our understanding yeah, he's really, you know, he's done a fantastic job in the studio and as a drummer, he's absolutely, you know, really on it. So, it's like, you feel, just because we've played a few big in belts this year, I feel like we're kind of tightest we've ever, ever been. Yeah, it's it's really, it's, it's, the, it's the best line that we've ever had by a long day.
0: It's definitely a solid line. When you put the band back together the first time in the 90s, did you try to like maybe go back to trade some of the classical live band? Like Mark Brown back on drums or Wayne on guitar or were they not even like into the music anymore at that point in time? Well uh,
6: Wayne I I see occasionally still lives uh, locally. But um he, he was never the greatest player and uh he was a bit of a weak point. He was always a great guy to have in the band, really a great sense of humor, but not didn't really bring a lot of music in um and, and Mark... um and moved away, so I haven't spoken to Mark quite a while, I think it was down in London. But Mark, was, again, never, he never really was into that kind of music, particularly it Was much more uh, alternative stuff. So it was kind of it ended up in the band, you know, for various reasons, but it wasn't in kind of art to, to do that kind of stuff. So when we got uh, the Ollywood album together, um, we approached Betty, who was kind of the came on before Mark Brown, he played on the, um, on the single that we did. I like, the place, channel and single. And you like know, the old of the yeah, band. so, they was kind of like the original, um, uh, drummer for the band, pre-dating Mark. So we got David back in, we did the album, um, played a few gigs. But, um, they was a bit of a difficult person mm-hmm. to the band with, to be honest. So, uh, it kind of didn't last too long. And then we, we got, the guy for rookie, Kirk. Yeah. <laughs> kind of an old friend. Um, but Mark I have played in a, quite a few bands with Mark every years. And um when we got I think offered to play in America and Mark, which is kinda of like pleading, you know, let, let me do it. So um we then, pretty much had all the best drummers in our locality. Yeah mm-hmm. it's yeah, you know it's important. Mark, yeah. I would say by by a quite a lot more
0: well you know even though the Saturdays ended the first time around the two of you guys played together in XL for a couple of years you had that going uh, did you ever think yeah, maybe now looking back at some of the songs you would use them for in Saturday, I and mean, it's a little different stuff but Angie
6: was never a member of XL even though the bands went and it was quite uh, almost acrimonious uh, in the early days just uh, Andy went off with Mark and and the Michonne and such a new band I of basically for a while. Um, so we were always basically opposing bands. Uh, the band, we were not comedians, that's where we all well, did it. Mm-hmm. And then Andy sort of carried on doing various of the projects. Uh, and I got XL together, which was with Richard Kirk, with the deployment on Babylon on the extreme um, chief. But we, we went to the same band, although we were still completely associated with each other, for simple reason we were related we're marriage. So... Yeah. So not like we could sort of completely ignore each other. Um, and so Lily Wars itself was actually put together an album on the spirit of the moment, it was some Excel stuff, so some material from, from Andy's previous band, a oh. few songs that we've written straight after hyperactive, uh a new one we wrote for the album and actually a song that we actually wrote together after an Excel rehearsal. Um when Andy just popped in and just jumbles for one day. So it, I did play on uh, um, the, session, the radio session uh, demo because uh, the guitar player that, that XL had, uh, had left. So I kind of filled that gap for uh, a little while and then kind of carried on doing my own stuff. But when we got our wars together, we just really get all the best bits and bobs that we've got, you know, underleaf savage stuff, XL stuff.
0: Yeah.
6: Uh, and I uh, the album that we did. And then the next album we, you know, we wrote from
0: scratch, which feels to me like a better album. It, it definitely is. Do you guys like? I mean, you've been here since the beginning of time with this band, and you've seen the changes in the industry over oh, the years. Not that old well, I, I, I say it's uh, the beginning of time. Well, I meant to say I should say well, the heavy metal, the hard rock time. I should say. I don't mean you know. I mean like because to me this whole scene emerged in the late seventies, early eighties, and I was just to that at the at the beginning. You know, that's the way I look at it because. Before that, I had, you know, Sabbath and Zeppelin and Purple and all those bands. And I felt like Austin came about in the late 70s, early 80s. So I was referring to that as so I'll rephrase that for that one. not make you guys feel like you're dinosaurs or anything. No, that's fine. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same age. same age as our and Death Leopard and Metallica. Exactly. Sure. But you've seen the changes in, in the music business and the scene. Do you think it's better today for bands than it was back then where you, you kind of like slaves to the label and getting signed? Where today... You know, most bands are doing it on their own. I mean, we did it on our own back then, too, but you look for yeah. that label. Today, you don't. You kind of, you know, run your own website, social media, you know, put out your own albums. Is, is it a better environment?
6: Yeah. The downside is that you just, you know, download it, and you, it's very difficult to get the sale So you've got the control, you've can you can, you've got the technology to release, to, to have, you know, whatever you want to do, your website, your social media stuff. It's all within your control. Just you play, and obviously the album, you can make the album that you want to make and nobody get the other shot But then you, um,
0: well... Hey, yeah, we lost the connection there. You talk about all this technology, it doesn't even work after time. Oh, I'm
6: sorry about that. <laughs> uh, power, power thing,
0: power outage. That's all right, no problem. <laughs> no problem. I forgot, we were talking about uh, like, no social media, you're uh, yeah. on your own today.
6: It's, I think it's a good black sword to be honest, Mike. Um, yeah, you can get in and control it yourself, but the market's not there to sell you records anymore. Um, so, and it's still quite an expensive game to record and all the rest of it. And what I really have noticed is there are so many more bands out there. Yeah. So many more. Um, still the same percentage of them are crap but they sort of, it, they walk walk down the availability for everybody else. Which, the it's, 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 it's downloading, you know, and it's great that people can download music for publishing. but so many people, you know, don't value music until they, they're downloading it for nothing. You know, I, I know even I'll tell you, friends of mine who downloaded our album for nothing, you know, it's like, Jesus, you know, can <laughs> you not even, just like, give me a call or something. So. I don't know what the percentage would be, but I think it's pretty high the amount of free downloads that people get in compared to sales. So, um, I think overall it's a good thing. You know, it it provides outlet and that's that. For the bigger bands, they can can make their money now from doing whereas before we used to do... um, um, a tour was to promote the album sales yeah. to get the album sales. Now it's opposite way around. You now do an album to promote the tour. And you've got the big enough. But you've got the big enough to pull that, you know, ten thousand people and charge them a hundred pounds ticket. Which is, you know, which is the sort of thing that happens these days. But you can pull massive sums from one show. Just from one show.
0: Yeah, so we're running on a
6: pretty tight <laughs> budget.
0: Yeah, it's hard. I mean and plus I, I I noticed here like in New York and around the area I'm in Bands are coming around where you just like, you know, you see a band coming out once a year, put on a really big show, and you know, go out and enjoy it. They're coming out three, four, five times a year now. So even in the line market, it's starting to become so oversaturated because this is the only way bands can make money. But you yeah. know, there are so many bands coming around, like you said, at one time that, and on any given night here in New York City, there could be four or five shows going on. And yeah. the main band might be playing today, might be on the bill next month. and... Yeah, it's like I mean, the other night we had a Megadeth that has a giganto, which is you know, was a relatively big tour. They played a very small place with Jason, Newsted from Metallica, open up, and there's hardly anybody there. I mean, right. even the larger games are funding it hard now to because it's such a saturated market. That's, that's,
6: that's pretty worrying,
0: but they're real quality. I don't know, like, excuse me, you know, they're, you
6: know, they're all. Easter. I mean, we've never been sort of anti any of the genres that have come after us. There were the air metal bands that we thought were good. There were grunge bands that we thought were good. There were new metal bands. Yeah. You know, there's good music in every genre. Um, But there are still, there are an unbelievable amount of bands that are still not, they're not original. They've got nothing. There's so many that sound just like the guy that was playing back before.
3: Yeah. You know, and,
6: and and they're sitting there and put on the website, right? so, you, know, you know, we want to be right like this time, we want to be like this time. But well, why don't you just want to be
0: like yourselves? What do you he be something he does a lot of Metallica during the live show. Right. Uh, like his, you know, his ever Metallica. And, you know, it's sort of like a, a mix of all the new metal mixed together. It's, it's not bad, but... It was just a hard sell that show for some reason. I don't know why. they dropped a lot of bands from the bill. I think it's because there's such a saturation in the market right now. People don't know where to spend the money. They want to go. They just don't know where to spend it anymore. So they had to pick and choose. They can't do five shows a week.
6: No,
0: no. And, and, and that's very difficult. So I mean, I'm even seeing trouble now in the live market, which is a shame because, yeah. like you said, you're losing the the album end of it. Even though, Vi- I mean, you guys released Sons of Mouse on Vinyl. Vinyl is making a small comeback. It's a niche market, but yeah. I, I always, I'd buy the, the CD, and if I could get the vinyl, I'd buy the vinyl, because that's what I grew up with, and that's what I love. And to me, it always sounds that's better about vinyl. Right. Just,
3: was
6: a it was it, was, like, uh, it, was like a, it was a completely different world, Mike. I mean, I do what music was like when it was vinyl albums. It was a, a real social thing, music. Yeah. You'd all gather together in your next bedrooms, handing albums <laughs> out, and you, you'd sit there looking at the album sleeve, or a double gate sleeve, and reading the notes on it. Well, that's gone through, that's gone by the Bible the CDs, and, and, and obviously now the digital media and iPods and all the rest of it, everybody's got their own personal soundtrack for their own world, and it's, it's less less of a social thing. It's very much more about gathering, uh, and, and listening to stuff together, now it's very much about it's your own little world.
0: It, it, it's so true, and you, you remember back then, I won't say back in the beginning of time, because I know that ball but you remember, you remember back then, you, you went and you, you got a record, you, know, you fell in love with it, you used to put it on cassette, and you used to give it to all your friends to listen to it. and then they would go out and buy the record, they didn't just keep yeah. the cassette and say, I have it, I'm not going to spend the money, yeah. they still went and bought it today, the kids The reason you put it on your cassette, Mike,
6: was so you could play it in the car, you still have the album at home. That's right. So you could transport it about, so you could pick it with you. That's that's that was the only way we reason we put them on the sets. Yeah. It was nothing about not having to buy the album. It was a big thing. People bought albums for events. If you had yeah. somebody like that album, they'd go out and they would buy that album, even though the friends have got it. I used to go to a record store and you know, I'd go probably weeks before the album came out and I'd be going every week and, is it out? No, not yet. <laughs> When uh, I was at school, you know, I'd be going every week. A couple of weeks yet, you know, and you just wait, and wait, and then you've got the album. It's like we back. Now it's just you know, download it, get about it
0: You can't. It's here. It's almost impossible to find the record store. Maybe some of the large retailers, like like here, we have Walmart and. That yeah. uh, might carry a small selection, but you, know, you went to your record store back when you were a kid and the guy who owned the store, and people, they knew about the bands, they were recommended to you, they would tell you about it. Today, if you yeah. went to a store and said, you know, uh, let me have this sound," they were looking at you like you had nine eyes on your head, like they wouldn't know who you were talking about. Or, or it wasn't, it was like, you know, it was like your place, it was like your place to hang out, your little club. And, you know, it's, that's missing, and that's the saddest part that I, of music in general that I miss the most is yeah. that, that little environment.
6: But we have to we have to adapt something. You know, if you want to survive, we're gonna have to adapt and try and roll with it and try and find different ways of getting it out there. And ultimately actually, I still believe that, you know, good good music will always, you know, will try and you know, people like something or we'll talk about it. So, you know, nowadays you might not be talking and swapping uh, cassettes, but you know, now on Facebook saying that you heard the I don't know.
0: Yeah. But
3: to
6: adapt so it, it ain't gonna change, it?
0: No, it's not. not. It's a different world. You know, we, like you said, we have to move along with it. And I know this one's announced, only a year or so old, but are you guys planning on a new record somewhere down the line, or what do you guys have yeah. coming up next? I'm not going to keep you much longer.
6: Yes, we uh, can start writing for one. There's one or two others already started being dropped out of the air, so we can start writing it up. We're hoping to do a live
3: of version of recent legal, because what well, we just think that would be a good thing to do
6: with really. it being an anniversary and we hope to do that we played a couple of European shows recently and just couldn't get and uh, just stick together so we're just trying to sort that out but yeah ultimately we'll be I would hope we'd have a new album out hopefully we'll have a new one next year in the Supreme I would say
0: that would be fantastic well Andy Chris I'm not going to keep you much longer. I know it's getting late there I do appreciate you taking out the time to talk to me today people can go to savage to find everything that's going on you also have a Facebook page people can keep up with you guys at
6: yeah, yeah, it's all there, it's, yeah, savageband.com, savageband.com, um, is Facebook? Facebook is, the yeah, Facebook.com, so that's Savage UK. Yeah, UK. so yeah, keep in touch. and my space, it's
0: savageuk. Yeah. That's right, well, guys, thank you very much, I appreciate it, and I know you were here in America some years back, I'm hoping with this record on the next one, somebody get you on a tour and get you back here to the U.S., yeah. and, I oh, guess it's yes, you, you guys.
6: We're uh, desperate to get back over there and play, so, yeah. I hope it yeah. can be
0: available. You've got those West and everywhere in between, if possible. That's right. Well, I'll work on it on my end. That's what I can do here, 'cause I have to get you back to the U.S. <laughs> nice one. All right, guys. That's thank fair. you very much. Have a good night, and I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Okay. Take care. Right. Take
3: care Bye. Bye-bye.
4: Savage, The Hanging Tree, that comes off the Sons of Mouse record that the guys put out last year, and there were a bunch of good guys to talk to, I just wish we didn't have so many problems with Skype, you know, T, there's always problems with Skype, but it never fails, yeah, huh. there has to be a better way, I mean, you know, a landline is the best way, but unfortunately, when you're doing it on the internet, it's kind of hard, and these phone calls can get kind of expensive when you're talking overseas for like 30 or 40 minutes, you know,
3: I can imagine, yeah.
4: so unfortunately, we have to use Skype, but Right now, we're waiting for Mr. Kent Pierce from piercermel.com to call in. Frank Tassi from Metadocs was supposed to be on towards the end of the show. I think Frank might call in in about five minutes or so, and we'll get that going. And then we have Michelle Away Longavon from Voivod at about 7.15. So, wait for Candy. Matter of fact, here's Mr. Pierce right now. So, let's get our concert calendar update going. Kenny, how are you, my friend?
1: One um one one quick criticism. You were saying how the Gigantour was not was not uh was was half empty or something like that. Not really the case. There was just some room in the back. And uh and, and like I said, in this particular market they had split it in half and uh one show was cancelled and I think it was because just in the next town over in another city they had the, the full six bands for the price and you know, New York City was a, a pricey ticket, but it was not was not empty at all. It was, you know, nobody nobody got there for Newstead; they got there for Black Label, and people left after Black Label, and people came in only for Megadeth. Which is, you know, it's always weird when you when you see that happening. But that's uh, that's really what went on. Hey, so before I uh, get into things, I just got two quick announcements for you. Um, uh, seems seems that the other day I go out and uh, I I see a, a a posting from Doc Coyle. From uh, God forbid, saying that he is quitting. God forbid, and uh, you know, after uh, 17 or so years, he's decided to uh, leave the band. It's just, uh, it's just not where he's wanted to be anymore. And by the time I had gotten home, the rest of the band responded to the uh, his exit by saying, "Listen, the band's done. Where so uh, God forbid has broken up." Um, And a lot of people from this area are very sad because it's a New Jersey band, and they did a lot of good for their fans, and they will be missed. Also, a band called The Chariot, which is kind of a screamo, metalcore-ish band. I never really followed them, but they have chosen to disband as well. So we had two bands ending this uh, past week, and we wish them all the best going forward and look forward to some new music and however many bands they all come up with. But let's get down to the nitty-gritty. Right now, in progress, is the Rockstar Energy Drink Uproar Fest. And I say it's still in progress because there are people that really only cared that Jane's Addiction and Alice in Chains were playing. I mean, I had friends texting me saying, when does Jane's Addiction go on? I said, well, the Uproar Festival starts at 2 o'clock. They said, well, we only care about Jane's Addiction. so And they're going to miss Nine other bands that could possibly be interesting. And there you have it. That's the mindset of the music listener today. They don't want to give a chance to anything new, and thus the scene will suffer. Uh, The Sword is also playing tonight over at the Music Hall of Williamsburg with a couple of other acts. So if you like the doom that The Sword cuts you with musically, head on down to the Music Hall of Williamsburg. Tomorrow... Not one, not two, but seven kingdoms are at the studio at Webster Hall, and you want to give some love to this power metal band that's signed to Nightmare Records. They have not been around this town, for my knowledge, since the Blind Guardian show of a couple of years ago. Scrolling over to Wednesday, we have the mighty Chimera, who you interviewed Mark Hunter, I think, a couple of uh, months ago on the program, which was... uh... Right? You did that, Mike? Sure, right. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I thought maybe I thought maybe I was forgetting things here, but uh, yes, Camero will be playing with Threat Signal over at the Gramercy Theater with Dark Sermon and uh, one other band as support. And hey, listen, you know, shameless plug. I got a contest going on, piercing metal. Pretty much, enter and win a ticket, man. It's it's. I got I've got that kind of uh, thing going on this time. I. I uh, I paid the right people off. No, I uh, I was just very fortunate to get a, a number of tickets for this one, and uh, I'll be doing uh if you chime in, you will win this evening. So also, if you feel like going upstate for a little bit, I will be heading up that way to see Loverboy and Night Ranger play the Dutchess County Fair. That will be a very, very fun night of uh, classic rock and roll for sure, man. And then – Thursday, we got the cult over at Roseland Ballroom. I think that's already sold out, so if you know the right people, maybe you will get yourself inside Roseland Ballroom. I'll be over at BB King Blues Club, checking out the mighty Brett Michaels, who's doing a surprise gig over there and uh, with his solo band. So, if you want to see what uh, the kind of rock that Brett brings down Come on down to there Friday is my last show of the uh, Announcements, it's Kill Code From our own New York City They'll be playing at the Bowery Ballroom So if you want to get a dose of some Southern fried New York City rock and roll Head down to Bowery Ballroom They'll be playing with 10 Ton Mojo And some more bands as their Support acts, and that my friend Is all I have for you this week So please, give us a good like On on uh, Facebook, Come follow our Twitter and come see what we're observing with our Instagram, and I will let you get back to the business and talk to you next week, my good friend. Bye.
4: You, you got it, Mr. Pierce. Thank you very much. We appreciate that, and thanks for keeping it kind of streamlined tonight because we're real tight on time with our guests. But right now we have Mr. Frank Tassi from Metadox. Frank, how are you, my friend? Hey, what's going on, Mike? How you doing? Good. How you been? I've uh,
7: been going crazy trying to get everything ready for the show tomorrow.
4: Well, you know, Kenny had mentioned it. Seven Kingdoms tomorrow night. You guys are playing with them at the Gramercy. That's going to be a pretty good show, I got to say.
7: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, we're good. we're playing with them uh, tomorrow. at uh, Webster Hall. Um, oh, Webster Hall. I'm sorry. We're, yeah, we're. Uh, it's it's really cool. We're long long time in the making with these guys. Uh, we we've been trying to play with them for a while, and it's good that we finally got it got the chance to hook up.
4: Definitely. And it's a good fit too. you know, I mean, you know, Metadoc team and not realize it, but you had this band going a long time ago. I mean, you know, it kind of got shelved to put on hold or maybe you just dropped it at the time when Desdemond started up, but now you got it going again. So let's kind of pick up, you know, from like the second go around over here. What happened with Desdemond You look like everything was going pretty good with the band and it just kind of, uh, just kind of didn't work out, I guess, huh? Yeah.
7: Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we, we took it as far as we could go. You know, I, I think that's, the best way to sum it up. You know, we we did a lot of stuff. We did a couple of festivals. We went over to Europe, but, you know, just, uh, you know, being halfway across the country from each other wasn't exactly the easiest thing.
4: Yeah, it doesn't work that way. It is hard. I mean, you you do see a lot of bands today where members are all over the place, and for some bands it works out, but for other bands, especially bands trying to make a name for themselves and, you know, build up a following, that has to be difficult.
7: Yeah, yeah, it, it was. But, you know, we all it's one of the few times that uh, you hear about bands breaking up where it's actually like an amicable thing and people are still friends. So it's a cool thing.
4: Well, that's good. Well, you, you still got a few of the members playing with you now in Metadocs and you're taking on the vocals now, right? Cause I remember you had a, i think Jeff was going to sing with you guys from, from the website and now you're taking on the mm-hmm. vocals, right?
7: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jeff had a couple other things going on and uh, you know, our, our directions just, took it took it in this way you know we're all still uh, we're all still together as friends and uh, the guys in the band wanted me to do it because i've been writing and you know i, I basically do all that all the creative stuff so uh it's been a good new challenge I'll, I'll, I'll put it that way
4: yeah sometimes i think you're better off than i mean if you could play every instrument on your own you probably be better off because it just seems like the hardest thing today is to find people that are kind of like-minded and you know, they they all have the same direction or the same goals for the band. Is that the hardest part? Is finding people that want to take this like to the next level?
7: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Everybody says that they want to, but you know, when when you got to start working <laughs> and putting yeah. a lot of work into it, that's uh, you know, if you don't have the drive and the will, that then that's it. And you know, a lot of people can uh, can't do that.
4: Yeah, you know, okay. that it is difficult. you know, and the older we get there are more, you know, outside forces, you know, drawing us in different directions and responsibilities. But, you know, you kinda have to go all in with these things because if you don't and you, you know, and your heart's not really in it, you know, things just aren't gonna happen for you. I mean you really gotta go full force. I think that's the only way to do it.
7: Uh, absolutely. You know, you gotta jump right in. It's like learning swimming. You can't put yeah. the floaties on, you just got to jump right in the lake
4: exactly so tell me what's going on with the band i know you got this great show coming up tomorrow at webster hall is there going to be an album out or the material that you have right now or any of these tunes that were with you guys in the beginning that you kind of reworked because it's been a long time between then and now and i'm sure your style has changed
7: oh yeah well basically what happened was uh we're right now we're in pre-production mode um we're we're laying down you know all of our drum tracks and stuff like that and getting ready to uh Getting to re- uh, ready to record, we have uh, one tune that we uh, that we've been letting people listen to to show them, you know, like a little bit of a new flavor of the band. That's called uh, Birth of the Dragon, and uh, you know, it's it's a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool song. I think you know, it was written for a Game of Thrones fans. So if you watch the show, you get a kick out of it. I think.
4: Yeah. <laughs> uh, is is the band a symphonic band? You still have that that big sound like like you have with Desdemona. You still have that you know big 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 sound.
7: Well, uh, we, uh, we we pulled back a little bit from all the uh, all the pretty stuff, you know. So now it's uh, now it's a little bit more uh, more of a thrashy ended uh, power metal. It's, I wouldn't even actually call it power metal anymore. It's really it's really thrashy. It's heavy. We got a lot of uh, more modern dynamics going on. So it's 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 fun. I'll put it that way.
4: How is that taking over the vocals, too? I mean, is is it a difficult challenge, like, trying to do both of them and really, you know, give it 100% or are you comfortable, you know, with that right now or are you still kind of, like, feeling your way around?
7: Well, uh, you know, I, I, I'm still uh, – I'm not wading in the water anymore, but, uh yeah, I'm still feeling my way around a little bit. It's it, it, it's fun. You know, you try different voices. I mean, I, I did a track where I sounded almost like Richard Marks. I was making fun of myself after that, but <laughs> – no, it, it's cool, it's it's a good outlet for aggression. You know, that's that's really what we're what we're all about now. It's uh, aggression and and uh, not not necessarily speed, but heaviness.
4: Yeah. Well, how do you see the scene now? I mean, you know, we've seen it changing over the years. I mean, I don't know if anything's ever going to change. You know, as far as like you know the record end of it goes with buying music and you know paying for it, but as far as the live show goes, it seems like you know that that was the only outlet for bands. then all of a sudden we had this gluttony of music, just like constantly playing live five or six shows a week, it was getting hot out there, and it seems like the live shows are starting to tail off a little bit how do you how do you know you look at the whole scene now in general compared to maybe the first go around with metadocs you
7: know the the first go around was was not as uh not as flooded. Uh, when when we were going around, but it was it was pretty cool. You know, uh, there were there were a lot of good tours coming through, um, and now it just seems like a very big lull. You know, every once in a while throughout the year, you'll get like maybe four tours, like back back then we were getting like you know maybe ten or fifteen. You know, yeah. so it's a little it's a little different. Yeah, you know, live live music is, is been taking a bit of a hit, and uh, I really for the life of me I can't understand why. I love going to see shows. You know?
4: I know I just I, like, I, like we have Kenny does a constant count up there and sometimes he'll rattle out seven or eight shows in one night I don't know if it's maybe just there's too many shows coming through at one time and people just don't pick you know It's like there's only so many of us to go around there's gonna be so many places at a time But you know when you do have like a show like you have going on tomorrow night at Webster Hall I mean, you know that should be the main show in the city at the night people should be at that gig
7: yeah, no, a- absolutely, absolutely, and you know that's that's the cool thing about at least with the uh, with the few and far between shows like like Carcass is only doing five shows when they go on tour this year, and then I got tickets to two of them, you know. So yeah, <laughs> you know, if, if if the band's there and the music's good, people will still come out. Hopefully, too.
4: Hey, well, I mean, do you guys like you know. Are you going pick and choose like where you play and when you play to kind of like get the maximum value out of it to hit the larger audience or are you guys gonna just take on every show you can just to get the name out there?
7: No what well, we're doing uh we're doing the the whole quality over quantity approach with that you know uh, you. less uh, fewer shows but you know bigger bigger venues bigger bills you know
4: the yeah, yeah. way to do things. Absolutely. You know, sometimes like you feel like it's a catch twenty two because you want to play as much as you can just to be out there playing and get your name out there. But then you also want to make it where people say, "Hey, you know, we haven't seen them in a few months. Let's go out and see them tonight," where you know you're going to get people to come back in the next time because there's been such a gap in between the shows. So sometimes you don't know which way to go with that.
7: No, exactly. And you know, we're 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 really focused on getting getting our recordings done. And uh, you know pitching it back out to the labels and i mean metadocs used to be signed so i really want to get get right back into at that point and once we're at that point hopefully we'll be doing some tours we I mean, have been talking to a couple of people we do have a couple of things in the works for next year so
4: oh that's good to hear so what about the record you think maybe this year are you gonna try to do it on your own if you can't get a label to get interested in? because a lot of bands are doing everything on their own these days just to keep control over you know the destiny kind of
7: yeah, well, that's that's the secret to, to getting signed now. You have to give them everything. You know, um, we're definitely doing everything on our own. Uh, we have, you know, we get, we're we doing everything on Pro Tools ourselves and stuff like that. Um, we're planning on getting everything out there for late January or early February as far as the release goes. So, you know, don't want to hit them at the tail end of the year because all the labels are out of money at that point.
4: Yeah, it's true. (laughs) That's a bad time, but I can't wait to hear this new record, Frank, and I hate to cut you off, but I want to get on the music so people can hear what Metadox is all about. Tomorrow night, Webster Hall, anybody else playing besides you guys in Seven Kingdoms? Anybody else on the bill?
7: Uh, There's a couple other bands on the bill. Uh, I don't have the info right in front of me, but it's it's us in Seven Kingdoms, and uh, we should be hitting the stage around 8 o'clock.
4: That sounds great, man. Where can people find out what's going on with you guys and keep up on all the news?
7: Uh, Facebook.com forward slash Metadox Band or MetadoxMetal.com
4: Frank, that sounds great. I'm going to get on that brand new song you gave me with Birth of the Dragon and let everybody hear what Metadox is all about.
7: Thanks a lot, Mike.
4: Anytime, Frank. You take care, buddy. Good talking to you again.
7: You too, buddy. Bye.
4: Okay, let's get on some brand new Metadox and right after that, away from Voivod. Here you go. Birth of the Dragon. <laughs> raise a legacy of doom. Tate, there's not a lot of time for you and I to talk tonight, man. We're overloaded with guests.
5: It's all right, bro. I'm I'm here for you, man. Yeah man,
4: this show is not meant for three guests, you know, not a two hours long. It's way too hard. Yeah. You don't have enough time to give everybody a fair shot, you know, in the talk 'cause you're like you're rushing to get to the next one, you know? It's
7: all
4: right, Yeah, sometimes that happens. So you That's given my...
7: giving, you're giving the listener a lot, you know what I mean? Yeah,
4: we're trying, good. you know, in January, well, at the end yeah. of the year, I said, this year, you know, we're not going to do two guests a show anymore, we're just going to do one like we used to when we first started out, and we were good for like a month, and then we went to two guests in February, then three, then two, and some weeks, they even have four guests on, but, you know, it's just, sometimes all these things come in at one time, and you try to accommodate everybody, because there's yeah. time constraints, like Frank wanted to, you know, promote the show tomorrow, having them on next week, yeah. wouldn't have done any good, you know, so you try to get everybody
5: on, you know. You're a good guy, man.
4: Yeah, you do what you can, you know. In the two hours you have, you do what you can. But we still have away from Voi coming up in a few minutes. Let me see. Who do we have next week? Next week we're closing out the month, and uh, oh, we have Ray Alder, the vocalist of Fate's Warning, calling in next week, along with Sean Van Wy from uh, Death Alley Motor Cult. So we got a great show lined up for everybody. And this Thursday on the Metal Matinee, it's uh, I think it's three for the price of one. I found bands whose name. First album and first song are all the same. Like, you know, Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath, Angel Witch, Angel Witch, Angel Witch, you know. Uh, it's like an hour of all that nonsense for everybody <laughs> this at 12 o'clock. I like that. That's
1: cool.
4: Yeah, you know, I had a lot of time on the can the other day, so I figured I'd come up with this idea, you know?
1: <laughs>
4: Good things come in small packages. That's <laughs> what I keep telling my wife, but I don't know if she's buying into it.
3: <laughs>
4: all right. But, you know what's fun. I was looking the other day. So I think it was Man of War. On the website, put down, you know, well, you know Man know well, World World Tour, you know, 2013 or whatever it was. And then you go right. to look at the dates, and there's only two dates. There's one in Russia, and then another date six weeks later. Now, I don't consider that a tour. I just consider that a couple of shows in a two-month period. Yeah. You, know, I mean, you know, a band went on tour. I mean, you know, you went out for, I don't, you know, yeah, the 80s, you might have went out for a couple of months, you know, sometimes the whole year. Today, if you go out for two or three weeks, that's a lot. That's a big tour because, you know, it's just a different market, but... I just don't consider two dates a world tour. You know, unless Russia and Germany or Greece, whatever the other show was, is the world. I mean, Tomato it probably is, but, you know, I just don't say a tour. Just say upcoming shows. That's how I feel. I don't know. Yeah, it
5: could have sounded. Yeah, it could have said shows, right?
4: Yeah, yeah. European
5: shows. European shows.
4: Yeah, I mean, they always add a couple of more here and there, but to me, it's never enough to justify being a tour. A tour means you get on a bus and you drive around, or you get on a plane, you're flying from place to place, you know, whatever the dance situation is. just not two shows, and let's face it, I don't think doing anything in Russia is considered anything, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, they
7: got a good, you know, they got good European... Fan
4: base. No, I I know. Hey, look, if they want to play for Russia, they may as well come to Brooklyn and play in Brighton Beach. I mean, you know, they get the, <laughs> we get the same kind of crowd over there, and it'll be closer to home, and we could all see them play at least, you know. Well, my
7: maiden used to get some nice cr- Russian crowds. Yeah. I don't know about like, me and
4: Be curious to see. All right, you know what? We got to do one or two more tunes, and we got to get this interview going with uh, Michelle. From Voivod because it's getting late and we won't have enough time to get it all in. So, let's do our demolition segment. Uh, this week it's Wing Disaster. They were banned out of New Jersey, and if you head over to the Block Spot, you can download yourself a copy of this demo tape. I think we're going to end these segments next month because I'm getting tired of digging up demos and bootlegs every week and trying to you know convert them and it's starting to become a real pain in the ass. Five years we're doing this, so maybe we'll just yeah. make it a once in a while thing after you know next yeah, month. Yeah, when
7: you get something totally unique or something.
4: Yeah, you know, we'll throw it up there, but right now. Had.
1: Yeah, something you're yeah. looking
4: for something. Exactly, but I already have a couple of them uploaded For the next few weeks, so there's enough to go through At the end of September, after that we'll see What the hell goes on, but like I said Head over to the block spot, download yourself to Winged Assassin Demo, it's really good, here's a song called Watching the Moon, and then right after that Maybe we'll go into uh, some Voivod And then get that interview going with uh, Michelle So, here you go it's-
5: Thanks
4: a lot, man. Oh, I'm doing Excellent. great, man. It's a pleasure to talk to you today.
5: Excellent. Thanks a lot.
4: Uh, no problem. You know, I, I go back with Voivod to the very beginning. I remember being a big tape trader back in the day, and a friend sending me the anachronism tape with all the cover songs you did back then. So I've been with you for 30 years, and I'm glad that you guys are still doing it.
5: <laughs> yeah, it is. Actually, 30 years ago in 83, the first show. <laughs>
4: Yeah, it goes, It seems like it was just yesterday, but that's a long time to be in the business, especially the music business. And if, if you remember the early days of Void vibe, you guys came out of the woodwork and you just blew everybody away. It was, it was so raw and fast. You go over 30 years, 13 records. Back then, the fans, they always had like, you know, a respect for the band and loyalty, but you didn't get that from the critics. Today, you're like the darlings of the music industry. The critics love what What a difference between 30 years ago.
5: Uh, it is true, actually. Um, I remember the very first uh, review we had uh, for Warren Payne was... Uh, it said uh, avoid VOD, uh, the uh, the worst band of all time, and um, <laughs> and we thought it was great. We were really happy about it.
4: Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's a big difference over the years. How all of a sudden, I mean, like the industry has come around to where you guys are this progressive, you know, metal band. And and one thing about VOD is that you guys have never repeated yourself. I don't think over any albums. Is there seems to be like a lot of different eras of the band. You can go back to the the raw and the War and Pain record, the Angel Right era, uh, you know, the post Piggy era. It just seems like there's uh, so much of the band, and you guys never repeated yourself. Yet the fans have always stood by you.
5: Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, there is a signature, but we did venture into. Uh like uh, hardcore around the War and Pain and Roar era, a bit of prog rock around Killing Tech and Damage and Hatras, a bit of psychedelia around Nothing Face and Rat, and so on. And um, uh, yeah, we we really tried to uh, explore. Uh, we we um, uh, but we were influenced by tons of different bands, though, like from. Uh, uh, like Van der Graaf generator to killing joke. And uh, so, um, yeah, uh, so uh, I think it helped a lot. But I mean, of course, we come from the heavy metal scene and mainly the trash metal scene.
4: That's true. But do you, I would think it's important as a musician to experiment. To try, you know, the stuff that you liked when you were the band started when you guys were basically teenagers, and the stuff you may have liked back then is going to change over over time. And different sounds are going to influence you, different musical genres. So, do you think it's important as a musician to incorporate everything that you feel, and then like the fans will go along with you for the ride? Because you know, if you don't make yourself happy, then who does?
5: Well, yeah, but we um, uh, like thinking thinking about it. We didn't. We didn't really try to overanalyze it uh, uh like when time came to uh write music um uh, it 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 was very natural for us to include elements of everything that we uh, were listening to uh, I must say that uh, for many years in the 80s we were living the four of us together and uh, listening to a lot of different music and uh, it was very um uh, uh, active uh, like it, with the heavy metal scene The hardcore scene The so-called alternative scene Bauhaus, house, killing joke uh, The industrial scene And so on And we also listen to a lot of uh, uh, Movie soundtracks Like um, uh, Shining uh, Or um, The Thing or And uh, uh, so um, All that combined together Had a strong uh, input on the on, on our music but i think the main ingredient was uh um, the fact that um in quebec city uh, in, in quebec uh, in the province of quebec in the um in the 70s uh progressive rock was very very popular um, not only the um, the bigger bands like yes genesis and pink floyd but the more obscure bands like gentle giant and van der graaf and yeah. Jim crimson were they were really popular and uh uh so uh so we kind of uh i guess mixed it uh with uh, a bit of motorhead and venom and uh discharge and um uh, so that's really the the roots of our band
4: sure. yeah was canada a tough place in the early 80s? cuz i mean you had Bands like Rush and Triumph, who were playing one style of music. Excited came along. They kind of bridged the gap between the old and the new. And, like, in your vein, there was, like, you guys and Slaughter at the time. Was it a tough, like, area to to kind of
5: make your bones in or or to break out of? Um, It seemed uh, tough for me. well, I remember seeing Anvil. They were pretty much the first ones that came to where we grew, uh, where we grew up, uh, uh, about 500 kilometers north of Montreal. And I remember thinking, well, how are we gonna like become something like Anvil, lost in the woods? And uh, um, uh, so it it kind of seemed like um, uh, a far stretch. Um, but I mean. Uh, and uh, uh it it was uh, back then um everything was working with like uh recording cheap demos at the jam space and uh, the, mailing the 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 cassette to uh, the address on the back of album covers you know like and and uh, uh and the fanzines and all that so um it, it was um um uh, kind of um, a big surprise when we were able to sign with Middle Blade a label from LA and we were like four French Canadians from Northern Quebec So, um, but back then um, I, I mean you know uh, there were not that many bands um, uh, we came to realize that when we started touring with our uh, 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 like contemporaries like like uh, Possessed, creator, Celtic Frost, destruction, and and uh, uh, so I think um, uh, even though the tools are uh, amazing right now with internet, it's probably a bit more difficult to uh, uh, get uh, some kind of attention. Uh, I would say.
4: Yeah, a lot of bands say that because I mean, like the internet is great because with a click of a button you can kind of get all the word out about your band very quickly, but there's so Uh much on the internet where people have to kinda like, you know, really dig to find what they want and that I think is a little bit of the drawback of having such a mass, you know, media market like that.
5: Mm-hmm. But it is like uh, uh, quite an unbelievable tool in the sense that um, we had a, uh, uh, recently uh, we released the Target Earth video and we uh, posted it on the Facebook page, a Voivod Facebook page, and uh, tens of thousands of people saw it within a day, and I, I you know, it's quite unbelievable compared to what we had to. Uh, Uh, To go through to get a bit of promotions back in the 80s when we were answering to every single letter and all that and it was very time consuming and 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 now it's it's, with one click it's amazing with one share what you can do it just spreads like a virus it's 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 quite trippy. It is.
4: I think today I think the the biggest benefit to bands today any band the new band or an established band like Voivod is that. With the internet and with everything else going on, you have more control, I think, over you know the band's destiny and the output and what you want to get out there. Where, like you said, you go back to the '80s, basically there was MTV and a few other you know uh, places out there, and it was very difficult for anybody to get on there. Uh, very few magazines, you know, to really write about the uh-huh. band. Today, where you have you know you really kind of control the destiny of your own band today. Uh, is that do you prefer it the way it is now compared to you know back then?
5: Oh um I mean uh, we we uh, um I was there all the way through and uh, we went through many different scenarios where we were indie then major then back to indie then and then uh, uh I think that it's um it's actually all good uh, uh cuz I mean you can like um uh, like y- uh, let's say for the uh, the Nothing Face Angel rat Auto Limits days were on MCA. Uh, where I see it as a, an amazing uh, trip uh, in the sense that we had a lot of uh, budget for uh, touring, recording, and publicity, and so on. Uh, then we had to uh, sort of uh, uh, like the fact that they were spending. Uh, uh, this type of money i mean we had to sort of write albums that could sell a little more than uh, *Killing technology and roar and so on uh, uh so that but uh, in terms of um uh like uh, a team working for us you know uh, it it's uh, it was quite amazing um and, and but going back to indie of course um uh, meant that in the 90s uh when the when uh, the band took a bit of a lower profile um it, it, we felt like we um we really had control of every uh, single aspect of our career but i mean you know uh, uh the, the um, we had to tour a lot more with a lot of uh, a smaller budget and uh, and all that Which resulted in a van crash in uh, Germany in '98, and uh, so um, there's always like a balance where uh, uh, you have to be happy uh, with uh, whatever uh, you have to deal with whatever situation and try to be happy with it. And uh, it's uh, because like there's been so many different uh, labels and scenarios uh, with voivod and lineups and all that. Uh, for me, it's it kind of big uh, like it's kind of uh, for me a big blurry adventure yeah. where uh, where where it's it's been an amazing trip with a uh, um, uh, uh, a lot of highs and a bit uh, a couple of lows that were very low uh, like the crash in Germany and of course Piggy's unfortunate passing. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, but except for that, you know, it's it's been amazing for me.
4: That's great. You you talk about lineups. For a band who's been together for 30 years, there really has been a minimal amount of lineup changes. I mean, when you look at it now, I mean, Snake has been back for over 10 years. Blackie's been back for five or six years. You've been there since the beginning. Like I said, Piggy passed away sadly, and there's nothing you can do about that. But even Chewy has been in the band for four, five, maybe six years himself now. And I think Target Earth is such a solid record. And was was picking out a, a replacement for Piggy or a new guitar player to come to the band a hard thing to do? Were you trying to find somebody that could kind of replicate what he did, but yet be be individual and, and come up with his own style of sound? Because Voivod has always been about progression more than anything else, in my opinion.
5: It, it was really out of nowhere in the sense that um, uh, uh, when Piggy passed away, uh, Snake, Jason, and I, we um, in early 2006, we finished uh, 14 was a very grueling experience to finish it without Piggy. Then uh, we uh, all, the three of us, decided to step away from Voivod, even though we had another album that we started called Infini, which we had started in 2004. And uh, so we we put that aside and decided to uh, step away from Voivod. And um, it, 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 at this point, like in 2007, and uh, there was. There really was not no question about uh, uh, restarting Voivod anytime soon. And uh, at this point, I had set up an online gallery where I could start doing art for other bands, and that's pretty much what I'm doing when I'm not touring or recording. And uh, um, uh, but it's in 2007 there was a a, a show where um, Chewie and Blackie were performing a medley of Voivod uh with uh, members of cryptopsy and other bands and um uh, snake and i were blown away by uh blackie and uh, chewy uh the way uh, they worked together on stage and and uh but it, it it didn't uh really trigger anything uh it didn't trigger anything uh, in terms of uh, restarting Voivod it's more like in 2008 where there is this very cool festival in Montreal called Heavy N T L or yeah. Heavy Montreal. And um, um they kept asking us to reform for that show and uh for that first edition of the festival in two thousand eight and uh ended up uh we ended up saying yes uh, Snake and I and called Blackie and Chewy and uh just it was meant to be a one show, and uh we were a bit scared actually and um um uh, we we thought maybe some people would think it's a sacrilege and all that, but um. The first couple of rehearsals were very strange because it was like uh, with Chewy and Blackie <laughs> instead yeah. of Jason and Piggy. And so, uh, but it, it, I mean, you know, it, it, um, after a couple of rehearsals, we were really into it, and and then we did the show, and the reaction was amazing. And uh, many kids uh, never thought they would see Voivod and all that, and. So and the word spread spread around and next thing we know we are invited uh, to play Monsters of Rock in Calgary with Judas Priest uh, and Ozzy and then Testament invited us to go to Japan and then to Mexico and so it just really it kept going and we've been playing tons of shows ever since and of course recorded a new, a new album so. It's
4: all great. It, it really has been. You know, I know what you're saying. Uh, years ago, it would be hard to replace a key member or an original member of a band. Fans would kind of like, you know, get up in arms all over it. But I think today, we're so happy just that a lot of you guys are still playing and writing music, especially fans like myself who have been with you from the beginning. And it, it doesn't seem to matter so much anymore. I mean, we just want to see Voivod playing, and we enjoy it. So I think that, that stigma of replacing key members, for as far as the fans go, is kind of doesn't exist as much anymore as it used to, but I guess you guys still feel it on the inside as a band, especially with somebody like Piggy, who you were very close to and you, you know, started the band with 30 years ago, you know.
5: Um, yeah, I mean, um, uh, the fact that um, um, Dan is a fan of um, all the eras of Voivod really helps also because uh 'cause uh when time came to uh, uh, write the new album, um, with all, all the different aspects of Voivod were in there, and uh, plus with a new twist. And, and uh, Dan uh, really um, uh, learned to play guitar or listening to Voivod and bought his first guitar after seeing Voivod and so on and so on. And uh, so, uh, yeah, of course, his... Uh, Uh, His style is uh, very reminiscent of Biggie. I think that anybody who's uh, playing uh, tritonic chords and all that are are probably a fan of Biggie. But I must say that um, Biggie was a big fan of uh, Robert Tripp. Um, And and I also know that uh, he found a lot of his chords uh, playing... The uh, keyboard parts of Van der Graaf and Emerson, Lick and Palmer ah. on, guitar, on guitar. That's how he found a lot of his chords. He once told me that. Yeah. Um, yeah.
4: That's uh, that's impressive. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you were talking about your artwork before and, and how you do that when you're not working with vibe. Uh, but your artwork has always been an integral part of Voivod from the very beginning. I mean, you know, the music and the art kind of went hand in hand. And those were characters that you created, you know, all the album covers and all the other pictures over the years. Was was that something you were doing long before you became a musician, uh, drawing and, and working in that field or enjoying it? Or was it something that you did out of necessity, you know, for Voivod because you needed artwork for album covers? Uh,
5: well, I mean, I started... Um doing artwork before I did music um uh I was I was drawing all the time uh the first th- the first drawing I did I was probably 4 or 5 years old I I drew uh, atom ant uh cartoon character and um uh and I never stopped and it's it's um um later when I discovered uh, heavy metal magazine uh with all these great artists like Moebius uh, uh and uh I uh, started to uh, think about a a concept a sci-fi concept uh because I wanted to do uh comic books and uh this was in the 70s that's where the Voivod character uh, and uh Morgoth planet showed up and all that uh Mainly based on um, dra- um, the name Voivod I picked in the book called um, Dracula by Bram Stoker, and uh, yeah. uh, and uh, all the the rest was very much influenced by uh, a mixture of um, uh, Lord of the Rings um, and. The fact that I lived by a huge factory
3: <laughs> the color
5: yeah. blend, all the noises and all that uh, uh, really influenced me and um, I created the concept with the drawings uh with and, um, and much later uh when we formed the band, uh we decided to d- develop it all together, musically and visually and all that. Uh, at this point I had never, uh, like in 84 when we signed with Metal Blade, I had never done a painting except for, actually I did one when I was in high school for my grandmother or whatever. And uh, um, But like it was quite a bold move to go and say, uh, and tell Metal Blade and the rest of the guys, I'm going to do the front cover of our album.
3: <laughs> I had yeah. never
5: done a professional painting. And uh, I learned much later, when my uh, art book came out, um, um, uh, I learned that the people from Middle Blade, uh, Middle Blade were kind of nervous as well. When I finally shipped the, the, the painting to them, they, were like, they gathered around it like, okay, the drummer is doing the cover. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I was able to express the music uh, quite perfectly on this one. Yeah, is that book still yeah.
4: available worlds away? Because it's very hard to find.
5: Oh, people! Yeah, there um, are not that many copies left, but you can find it at IronGang.com. Uh, that's a site that is uh, run by the band, and uh, so there are uh, tons of stuff over there.
4: That's uh, good to know. And this is a this is kind of a big year for you, and Voivod. I said, thirty years. T- new album Target Earth The video was just released But you also have your first record Like a solo record coming out called Cities And yes. I don't know how to really describe it It's like an album of, of sounds uh, I, I went through some of it I was like wow I mean it's not what you would expect Not what you would think coming from you But when you play it you're like, You really start to listen and You start to hear like, everything going on around you And it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of weird And it's really impressive
5: Oh thanks a lot. Uh, I actually field recordings I did on the, uh, I did on the road and here in Montreal. Uh, I've always been really interested in um uh, sound sounds and uh, uh, tape collage uh avant-garde music and uh, field recordings and I uh, as I was I live on top of a subway station uh, right downtown in Montreal and uh, every time I go down to the subway there are always outsider musicians uh playing uh for money and uh and I always thought it it'd be uh, the acoustic uh, is always amazing and there's always surrounding sounds that really blends well and uh I always thought it'd be cool to uh do some recordings of that and I that's how I started. And then uh in um two thousand twelve in uh here in Montreal there were tons of riots um, where the government was overturned And all, all the students took to the street And the unions and all that And I recorded all of that And then I I uh, started recording on the road um, And uh, everywhere around the planet uh, Ended up like uh, Mixing all that together uh, For a very cool label uh, Called U-Tech Records And uh, so it just came out It's hopefully um uh, one in the series uh, that I'm going to be doing uh, while touring with Voiva. Um, but it, it's also uh, limited edition, uh, 500 CDs.
4: It's really cool. Are the, are the sounds that you recorded the pure sounds or was stuff overlapped or edited? Because I listen to some of the tracks and you hear the street sounds, people walking, like I said, trains, cars, and then music just comes out of nowhere. Is that actually recorded that way?
5: Yeah. It's, there's no overdubbing. Uh, It's just, um, I I sort of like um, crossfade bits, but uh, there's no overdub. Uh, So whenever I uh, see a musician playing on a corner of a street or in the subway, I just uh, usually try not to be too obvious because some people don't really react that well Mm
2: -hmm. to uh,
5: being recorded. So I uh, sort of like... uh, record just a short uh, bit and uh, go uh, and uh, go on on wherever wherever i'm going to and I, I i collect a lot of bits like that and uh try to uh try to uh, make it a bit uh ambient i guess
4: you did a great job uh, there, on the, it
5: there is one time in chicago where i was very lucky there is the, uh, in the Million, millennium park outside there's um There's a very nice amphitheater, um, and uh, very sci-fi looking, and I uh, happened to um, pass by when there was um, an orchestra, a huge orchestra, tuning up all together uh, without listening to each other, and it was uh, like... uh, Really, really apocalyptic. I loved it. I couldn't believe I was uh, actually recording that. It sounds like I overdubbed a whole bunch of musicians on top of each other, but it's very much... It was real time. (laughs) Yeah. That...
4: It really is great. And after, after going through it, I started listening more of what was around me when I was outside because sometimes you just tune out to the world around you because it's just so noisy and busy, but there are so many great sounds that are just coming out from around you. And if you just take the time to listen, you'll hear them, and I think you've done a great job of capturing that aura on this album.
5: Well, thank you very much. There is also a, uh, the part where... People are chanting Voivod in Europe 2012, and it was in Moscow, our very first show in Russia, and um, uh, it it was just amazing. People were chanting Voivod about 20 minutes before we uh, went on stage. It was really, really uh, quite an experience for us.
4: Wow, that's really cool hey, Michelle. I'm, I appreciate you talking to me today I'm not going to keep you much longer uh, What does I have in store for the rest of the year? Because we're only halfway through 2013 You guys have anything uh, going on?
5: Oh Yeah um, uh, Like uh, next week We're going to um, Brutal Assault uh, In the Czech Republic uh, And also Bloodstock in England uh, And Jalou Metali In Finland uh, then we come back here because uh, we have a couple of festivals uh, here in Quebec as well. Uh, um, so that's uh, pretty much what what we've been doing this year. Uh, we also released um, the Target Earth video, and we are working on a new another video uh, for the song Close Cap O So uh, we keep busy.
4: Excellent. Well, Michelle, thank you very much for talking to me today, and I can't wait to see Voivod when you get back to the New York City area.
5: All right. Hopefully, uh, Hopefully it'll be next year.
4: Well, I'll be right
5: there for you when you get here. Cool. Thanks a lot.
4: All right, Michelle. Thank you very much. Take care.
5: Okay. Bye.